You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best. I said, hey, I said, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because they like to be contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like Eddie going to be the type to be like, MVP, James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics to analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm. Like, okay, you've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all, it's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I am your Tuesday host, or should I say Wednesday host, because this comes out on Wednesday, Reagan Griffin Jr. And as always, I am joined by my two compatriots, Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I didn't even know that was a word. It might not be. <laughs> I'm going to use the old dictionary, compatriots, bro. I think that's a word, but you know, I am sure of that we're going to be t- discussing this Denver Nuggets and uh, Utah Jazz game it was what we just saw about 15 minutes ago. It ended um, and it ended tragically, man. I really, really, really y'all know I'm from Memphis. You know, I root for the Grizzlies heavy. I've taken pictures with Mike Conley. I wanted that shot to drop with everything in my soul. I wanted that shot to drop, but it was in and out. And Denver will be advancing to the next round to play the Los Angeles Clippers. Guys, what did you think of this series? I just, I mean, to, to speak on game seven, it was a very ugly game and I was kind of expecting that even though it was getting hyped up you know as the Jamal Murray the final battle between Murray and Mitchell uh, but you know the guy they were performing you know exceptionally well for the entirety of the series but I was kind of expecting them to come down to earth um, and yeah I mean I was expecting an ugly game and, and it surely was what was the score at halftime 50 to 36 um, but yeah it, it I'm happy that Denver won just because, again, I think they're a better matchup for the Clippers. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing for Donovan Mitchell seeing him in the tunnel afterwards crying. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, both these teams and both these guys fought very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you guys say that this is probably the most entertaining first-run matchup of all time? By far. By far. I I said this on Twitter. I don't think I've seen a better guard-versus-guard matchup in a playoff series it's been a while if I have seen it. I mean, you know, people bring up Kyrie Irving and, and Stephen Curry, but I don't even think that was as entertaining to watch just because it felt like it was more of a LeBron James show. Um, and then Kyrie Irving kind of closed it at the end. This series, you know, from one games one through six, and even game seven parts of it, um, it was the Jamal Murray show for the Denver Nuggets, and it was the Donovan Mitchell show for the Utah Jazz. And they both put together two hell of a series. You hated to see either guy lose, um, but it had to be somebody, and it was Donovan Mitchell. But both of them proved something to me that I didn't think either of them had in their bag, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, on the Denver side, though, this is another game that they almost let slip away. Like, 
True. They're, they're, they just play so young, and I feel like that always gets attached to the, to, to the team. Like, oh, this team is too young next year, too young next year. Uh, and they almost let one slip away again. And I, I just think it goes to, you know, the immaturity and lack of, you know, good leadership on that team. But I, I don't know. I frankly, you know, I, I didn't expect this series to be as close as it was. I will say, though, um, I want to shout out Gary Harris because he came in game six com- coming back from injury. And I really thought he was the X factor in this series because you know that both teams had scoring weapons in Mitchell and Murray. And basically the first team to defend was going to win, I guess, in a way. Um, and for Denver, that was bringing Gary Harrison and having a, you know, just, I mean, one guy that can actually stop on ball, who can do anything on the perimeter. And um, you saw it in Game 7 that he did such a masterful job, um, whether he was, you know, on-ball guarding Conley or Mitchell or, or Jordan Clarkson or um, off-ball and ball denials. And especially at the end of the game, he caused that turnover on Donovan Mitchell, that really crucial turnover. Um, he, he was really huge for them in this series, even though he couldn't make a shot to save his life. Um, it'll be interesting when they play the Clippers because they don't have um, any kind of rest, I guess. They have one day off, which mm-hmm. is what the normal schedule is. And... I almost think whether Denver should go easy on the minutes when they play the Clippers in their first game and almost like kind of concede the game. And don't just, do that. And just let You're going to get shut out. Yeah, don't do that. You're going to have Montrez up by 30, just freaking on the ground, flexing on everybody. Speaking of Montrez, he's not ready to see Jokic. We can all agree on that one, right? He's not ready for Jokic. Jokic's uh, giving him buckets. Okay, but is Jokic ready for him? To push him, okay, no, no, but here's my point, and this goes to an overall larger point that I've seen in the bubble. One thing that I'm noticing with guys is that you know, usually in the in a regular NBA regular season or, or playoff series, uh, you know, before this whole bubble deal, guys complain about uh, you know, eighty percent of the calls here in this bubble. I've seen every call that's called. A hundred percent of the time, these guys, you know, complain about <laughs> they it. They, like, twirl the fingers, bro. Run it back. Run it's, like, they exactly. gave them the, the replay thing, and they, like, don't understand it all. And, one, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the players that, you know, is guilty of this the most is Jokic. And that's where I get at where, you know, it's, it's lack of leadership, lack of focus. You know, I don't want to call him soft. But what, what happens if Marcus Morris or Montrez just hacks him one time? Is he going to cry about it? Yes, but he not he's it's not gonna stop him from hoping though. That's what I'm saying. Like from a um you know toughness standpoint, sure I'll give the edge to Montrez, but from a basketball standpoint, Jokic is like uh, ten times better at, at basketball than Montrez Hero is, and you know especially you know Jokic's strength being offense and uh, Montrez's weakness being defense. He's giving him the work all season long. Like that, we might and. I'll make a prediction. I think we end up seeing Joakim Noah minutes in this series just because of how bad Jokic is going to be, like, hooping on Montrez. I think Zubac is actually a good matchup for Jokic, but they don't play. They're not going to play him extended minutes. Um, I think if Denver was, like, well-rested and, like, kind of was coming off, like, a normal rest schedule, that that matchup against the Clippers is a lot closer than a lot of people think it is. Like, they, as, like, a defensive unit, have a much better time guarding, um, like, non like quick lead guard type players like a Donovan Mitchell that they couldn't contain um except I just don't think with you know this quick turnaround yeah. that they're going to get their feet under him which is why I'm saying if they do you know go light on that game one and get their kind of you know like get their stamina back for the rest of the series it's just that otherwise they're just going to be playing from a disadvantage what, what did Herm Edwards say 
you play to win the game every okay. single time. But I'm saying in every this case, time. you play to win the series. No, you play and you win series by winning games. You can't you oh can't God. throw a series against the most talented team in but the NBA. You don't give them a game. Here's my thing in that series. Uh, the 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 Utah Jazz don't don't have the plethora of you know guys with length that the Clippers do have. I mean, if if you can put Shamit, a guy who's a good on-ball defender, mm. on on uh on Jamal Murray, plus, oh, okay, if you don't want to put him on, put Paul George on him. Put Kawhi on him. Put put guys who, you know, who have length who can actually bother Jamal Murray cuz Jamal Murray is what? 6 6 4. Yeah. 6 4? Yeah, he's 6 4. I'm like 6 2. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's that quick. He plays like he's 6'2". But I wonder, um, on the flip side, what guys are the Nuggets have to throw at, at Kawhi, right? Because he's the he's a more strength-oriented player. I'm not sure if anyone's that big. I actually think they're, like, between Grant, Torrey Craig. Um, actually, that's really their two guys. They all, they all they both feel like a little lightweight to, to be guarded Kawhi, though. Really? They're, Grant, like Grant is pretty strong. He, he's, like, Oh, Jeremy strong. Grant. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm yeah. thinking of um, t- uh, Gary Harris. Yeah, yeah. Grant makes sense. Grant makes sense. No, Denver's built as a team to guard like wings instead of um, you know shifty guards. But um, I guess before we move on to talk about like the next playoff series, we're trying to talk about um, something I've definitely noticed in this bubble is that a lot of the players that um, are kind of like open gym type players, the ones that you know seem to thrive when they're you know uh, no crowds, just under I guess like no crowd. Um, just, Blue will. Like Lou Will, um, mainly I'm thinking like Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum. I guess like players you uh-huh. think of that have like a deep bag, right? It's like yeah. the, the the players that are pulling out all the tricks in like a you know an open run. Like they're really thriving in this it, bubble. Is it the bubble or is it the playoffs? I, I think, think it's, I the, think bu- it's the bubble. I, I think it's the bubble because wh- I I actually spoke on this too when you know when you're coming back, uh, there's like lack of cohesiveness when you haven't played in a long time. So what do you revert to? Oh. Just give it to our best player, you know. Give the ball to our best player and, and go get a bucket. And I, you've seen a lot of that in this. Bubble. But I think it's also that the environment is that these players that kind of grow up on, you know, hooping in these like recreational runs, right, and, and stuff like that. That that kind of like feeling, that environment is like so similar to them, or so sorry, so familiar to them that they're just thriving. Like I haven't seen Jason Tatum look this comfortable in like the regular season you know in a normal arena kind of environment ever like him as a decision maker he's making like nice drop-off passes like maybe that's just his growth as a player but to me it looks a lot like to him it feels like this is just an open run and he's just out there you know hooping and having fun um i don't know i think that's just one thing i don't like when we talk about oh has jamal murray taken the next step has donovan mitchell taken the next step I mean, I do want to believe it, but at the same time, can they do this yeah. under the bright lights in front of 20,000 fans? I mean, we'll see. I don't know. It, it's, it's somewhere in between, I guess. Yes, we will see. And what we will also see is what happens in these other playoff series. Do we want to bring up the OKC? Yeah. And, okay, yeah. Let's, bring, let's go there. OKC and the Houston Rockets are going to be playing in a Game 7 because Russell Westbrook fumbled the bag. Let's be honest, guys. Russell Westbrook fumbled the bag at the end of that game, literally turned the ball over. Yeah. Wait, I think he only finished with five turnovers, but it felt like way, way, way more. Yeah, the, the problem with the Rockets is that, you know, they experienced an injury to their second best player in Russell Westbrook at an unexpected, you know, period of time. They didn't even go into the bubble thinking, oh, you know, we're not going to have Westbrook. No, it happened in the bubble. So, you know, 
There's lack of cohesiveness. You think you're going to come back together as a full unit. Then one of your guys gets hurt. So you have to revert back to, to the way the offense was before Russell Westbrook came in. You know, everything is on James Harden. And then you got to switch back. It's like, I don't know. Russell Westbrook obviously isn't himself. He... He maybe he's not ready to play five on five yet. I don't know what the issue is. He scored seven points in his debut game, seventeen in his second game, and it's just he's playing like the old Russell Westbrook, taking a lot of mid range shots when and three pointers for that matter. But you know the Russell Westbrook that you know got comfortable within the Houston offense when they were thriving was him just driving the ball at will, attacking the offense and distributing like distributing the ball to his teammates. So they have to get back to that. Yeah, that, that Houston offense doesn't look as explosive as, explosive as they did when they first acquired Covington and gave up Capella. And um, I'm not sure why, like, or even like when they first started playing games in the bubble, that they look really neutralized. And a lot of that could be due to just poor shooting. Like they said, they had a bad shooting game in game six. Um, Eric Gordon hasn't made shots all series. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's the terrible. game they're playing. That's exactly. the game they're no, Oh, yeah, to that point, yeah, to Reagan's point uh, about – would you say lower floor, higher ceiling? Yeah, they get ahead a lot, mm-hmm. and then they just let it slip away. Exactly, and that yeah, that's exactly why. And um, so that's the dangerous part is that if they do end up somehow getting Game Seven, which I still think they will, you know, what's to say that somehow they regress to the mean in the next series? Right. Um. So I'm mean, again. I guess I guess that's the game they play. Um. Uh, perhaps maybe Houston is like overlooking OKC as well, or not you know fully engaged. Um. Which. Honestly, it would be hard to see considering how much, like, you know, they're drawing at each other and CP3 kind of, like, instigating everything. But, I don't know, it's definitely disappointing because I thought Houston should have had this series in five and, you know, that would have been an entertaining second-round matchup. But yeah. at this point, like, I wouldn't be surprised if CP3, who's, like, kind of the most stable player on the floor, you know, of both teams, ends up somehow getting Game 7 for them. Yeah, even though I, I called, uh, you know, OKC in 7, there's no way Houston should be losing this series. And if they do, uh, Mike D'Antoni's going to fire. So how does so how does that work? You called OKC in 7, but there's no way Houston should be losing this Hedging series. bets, man. They're, they're, love to see it. Because, I mean, James Harden is the best player on the floor. Like, And I just feel like that team is they, – they might not play, you know – cohesively together, you know, better than the OKC Thunder, but I, I just think they have, you know, better players, and, and I just think there's no way they should be. Yeah. Am I tripping, or does it feel like Shy has not been the same this series? Like, he's been the, playing well to me. I, I don't know. It, it, maybe it's, like, the spots he's getting his shots in. I'm just not peeping it, but, it, like, it doesn't feel like he's come up big in any moments. I mean, uh, I, I mean, Schroeder, I mean, Schroeder, that's, I, that's the guy who's been shot so. Defensively, man. Defensively, yeah. I give him a lot of credit. Like, and, and here's my thing on, on Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder, whatever. Uh, he's so predictable when he's about to shoot a three or drive the ball. I just yeah. don't understand how how like they can't guard it. It, it's it, it's going to be difficult for me to explain this, you know, while talking. But uh, yeah, it, to me, it's just okay. so predictable how you know his offensive game. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I see that as well. Um, I think, I mean, again, he's so maybe the fastest, one of the fastest players in the league that's just compensating for speed or whatever. Yeah. It's the, it's the thing in his head, man. He gets distracted a little bit, but so you picked 
I'm confused with it. You're picking Houston? Or well, I, picking, I picked OKC. You're picking OKC. <laughs> yeah. But Houston should not lose this game. No, definitely not. Okay. Like, it's it's on them. A little confused. I, I, just, I, I, just, I just feel like they always implode, so that's what I'm thinking. That's, I mean, I agree with you, but again, Houston has to take this game. So, so I, I have them taking it. You have Houston winning. Yeah, but I would not be shocked God at all if something. Guys, we have to make a decision here. Houston or OKC? Houston. OKC, yeah. So I, I have to I have to stick to what I predicted. So I am the tiebreaker. Mm, mm, mm. I'm going. You had to, Houston, right? I think so. I did have Houston, but I wouldn't be surprised. Face. Um. So <laughs> <laughs> last series up on the docket. Um. I'm no, we have it. two more. We have two, two more, more series on the side. On the Miami. Miami. I know. Miami. Yes, God. Julio. Julio gets his flowers down, today. I, I wrote down some Julio. notes. Julio gets his flowers. Oh, yes. He wrote, he wrote notes for this too. Yes. Okay. So I called back, as I've said several times in February, that if these two teams met in the playoffs, the Miami Heat would take this series. And, you know, what's weird about uh, this whole Eastern Conference matchup is that, uh, uh, you know, these standings haven't shifted or changed a lot. So, um, but yeah, I mean – People are really, you know, barely starting to pick and understand this Miami Heat team and, and how dangerous they are. You know, they barely started realizing that in the bubble and in the playoffs. And, and to me, you know, Giannis's game is not that hard, you know, to see, the, you know, the big, huge flaws in his game. I mean, you can just see at the, in the last possession, that last turn, turnover. I don't know if you guys saw it. Oh, yeah. When he turned over the ball yeah. on, on that last possession, it's like, He's trying to create something. He's dribbling. And he just loses the ball. He has no, you know, clear good offensive game. And you know, in, in the playoffs when the game slow di- slows down, that's when the mid range becomes a premium, and he just doesn't have it. And at the beginning of the game, uh, when he hit, you know, two, three, you know, big shots, I was like, "Is Giannis really coming with a shot today?" But then I thought in my mind, "This is gonna fade away. This can't last forever." Well, you know, he's actually been shooting like forty percent from three throughout the playoffs thus far, which is kind of crazy. It can't last. I, I I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's going to last. But it felt like everything that could have went wrong for Milwaukee did go wrong. And that's why I'm hesitant to say Miami's got this because I can't see it playing out like that game in and game out. You had Giannis who, who fumbled the bag at the end of the game and had struggled with, with you know, the bam out of bio focal point, and then you had other players helping down on him. You had Chris Middleton struggling with his shot, which was a uh, concern of mine. I wasn't sure if Chris Middleton, like literally everything that could have went wrong for that team. Yeah. Brooke Lopez wasn't all that great. Yeah. Um, George Hill's shot wasn't falling. Everything that could have went wrong for Milwaukee went wrong. Uh-huh. So I'm hesitant to say that, you know, Heat got this because everything that pretty much could have went right for the Heat went right. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you call it? Regression to the mean? I feel like yeah. we might see a little bit of regression. And, and, and here's my thing. Eddie brought it up in our group chat the other, uh, the other day on, on the day of the game that, uh, you know, they're missing Malcolm Brogdon. And I knew ever since they traded him away or let him go to the Pacers, it's like, why would you let him slip away? I know you're getting, you know, good, quote-unquote, good compensation in Wesley Matthews, a good defender, good three-point shooter. But you need a guy who can play the pick-and-roll and shoot the mid-range. Again, the mid-range becomes a premium. And when I say mid-range, I just mean shots that players can make off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And and that clearly in this game was none other than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler was cooking everybody. He was. Turnaround jumpers. And, and this is the reason why I say Giannis is a better player. Giannis is the MVP. Whatever. Give him all that. But who would I rather have in a playoff series? Easily Jimmy Butler. Easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the thing is, you're right. You said this back in February. Like, I didn't think you were crazy. Like, there's definitely validity to it, but it's definitely seeming like, you know, you're almost like speaking it into existence. But I don't know. It's, it, ball, it's, 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 it's very possible that in game two, like, I don't know, maybe Giannis goes like Inferno for that game. Or, I mean, who knows? Like, the main thing to me is that Milwaukee went 14 or 26 on free throws. That's just inexcusable. Mm. I mean, you got to, you know, do your fundamentals right, right? Yeah. So, like, you make those free throws, you don't turn the ball over. And then the second thing to me, which I don't know if we'll, if, if it will change the series, is just the coaching disadvantage. That, to me, Coach Bud is, he's such, like, a schematic coach, but he's not going to make any adjustments in a playoff series, in a game. Um, it's almost like he's so stubborn with how he does things that when it comes to the playoffs, and we saw this in Atlanta when he was there, we saw this last year, it will just end up being his detriment. Like, they played 10 guys in this game, including Frank Mason, which I don't know why Frank Mason is getting minutes. Like, in the playoff, your rotation should be getting smaller. Giannis only played 36 minutes, and he only got to 36 minutes because they played him all of the fourth quarter. Um, They played him sparingly in the first half, especially in the second quarter when they let um, Miami back into the game. played 36 minutes? Yeah. That's inexcusable. In a close game, that man has played 45. And the thing is, he played played all those fourth quarter minutes. But the thing is, to me, is that if they've been saving him up all season by playing him like 29 minutes a game yeah, during the regular season. Yeah, this all out. Right, like, exactly. 40 minutes per game. And you know he has it in him. Like, oh, and here's my other point on, on that point. If you're Giannis, though, you got to take the bull by the horn and take control. And I'm not saying, you know, undermine your coach. But that quote that he said after the game, no, why would you ask me that? I do whatever coach tells me to do. No. If you're the be- if you're defensive player of the year, I'm talking if about you- like matching up with Jimmy Butler. That I'm not only talking about that though. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about playing more minutes. I'm talking about controlling the ball. You, you know, getting in the game. I didn't know that 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 minutes that uh, bro get yourself in the game. Tell your coach you need me. Let me go in the game. Like you have to take control. Whether it's that or defending Jimmy Butler, you, you got to do what you got to do. See, the defending Jimmy Butler thing never really made sense to me cuz I understand like you, you go you want you want your best defensive player to go guard Jimmy Butler, but Chris Middleton's no scrub, right? And let's be honest, he's a better matchup for Jimmy Butler than Giannis is, right? For, for Giannis is a defensive player of the year because he's essentially playing free safety and he's like insanely the greatest by far, help defender we've ever seen, and that's why he won Defensive Player of the Year. He didn't win Defensive Player of the Year because he was a great on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. If he would have went and guarded Jimmy, I have a pretty decent hunch he would have got cooked. I feel like anyone would have got cooked that day, but to me, it makes a lot more sense to keep Giannis where he was in the help and have Chris Middleton mm-hmm. be the focal point of guarding Jimmy Butler. I don't. I, I never understood that. It's like you know, pe- people like to. They were caping. They're still mad that Anthony Davis didn't win it, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that that whole that whole argument never really made sense to me. What you know, my thing with Miami is that I know this team is not going to back down, and you know what, whether it's uh, and I said this from the very beginning, they have multiple guys that they can throw at Giannis. Whether you know they're successful or unsuccessful at times, they're big bodies who aren't you know they're not weak and they can not push them around, but they're not going to back down. You got Jay Crowder, Iggy. You got Bam Adebayo, who I think is the best defender on him. You got a multitude of guys that, you know, you could throw at him and not one guy that's just going to tire out for the rest of the game. And going back to what Eddie said about, you know, coaching, their diversity on offense for Miami is just, you know, impeccable. Like, 
they know when to give it to Jimmy Butler late in a game. Like, all right, go get yours, go get his buckets. But they also know when to, you know, you know, mix things up. Give it to Goran Dragic in a pick and roll. Give it, you know, like Eddie always says, handoffs to Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Like they know how to mix things up, and that's what you know. That's the advantage they have. Yeah. I'm so impressed at Jimmy Butler after spending the regular season forgetting how to shoot. That all of a sudden, you know, he's is Jimmy is hey, is Jimmy man is Jimmy that you know talk about regression. Regression doesn't always mean going down because uh, he's not that bad of a shooter. He's we've never well, he's seen him shoot like that this bad. season. He. Like legit, right? And we, like we've never seen him shoot, shoot that badly. Before. It's not. It's not that he was taking shots and missing. It's that like it almost looked like he forgot how to shoot, like literally. But I mean, one last point. We always talk about X factors in series, and I mean, I think by far this series X factor has to be Goran Dragic because mm-hmm. the way Milwaukee defends pick and roll actions, um, they're going to give Dragic that pull up three, pull up jumper. So nice, you know, the entire time. And he ate in game one, which again he has to do if, Milwaukee, uh, if Miami if Miami stands a chance. Yeah. Um. And yeah, if if they're gonna be you know like this the rest of the series and Dragic plays as well, it's gonna be hard for Milwaukee to make up that ground. I saw a funny stat that Jay Crowder shoots about sixty percent from the three point line against Milwaukee in all the regular season matchups, and he shot well That's in cheesy. game one. Um. All right, so Julio, you're clearly at the the forefront of the the Miami over Milwaukee. Train. And, and I, I I said this, I might have been overstepping and picking Miami, but my point was is that you know people, I, I guess if they imagined this series back at the beginning of the year, they would have been like, oh, Milwaukee in four. But that that's my point. It's going to be super competitive. But yes, I, I have Miami. So you were at the forefront, and I remember I came on a little bit later because I I, I felt like. You know, with the bubble circumstances, the teams that had a good grasp on their identity and weren't really going to have to do a whole lot of figuring things out were going to do very well. Miami, to me, was one of those teams. So, you know, I'm probably like third or fourth car on there. Eddie, you want to come on and be the caboose? We'll still have you. Come I, caboose this. Milwaukee should still take this series. Mm. But Again, that's another example of they should win the series. They should clearly they're, win the series. They're too talented not to. Um, it, I mean, same thing with the Houston thing I said. I wouldn't be surprised. But again, they, sh- they should win the series. And Sorry, guys. It's a great neighbor. It, you know, we love our neighbors around here just pulling in with a, a motorcycle. I do remember you saying this, Eddie. And I'm wondering if you're willing to backtrack these words because if, I feel like it's been made abundantly clear that's not the case. That Miami only has the three-point shot as, as their weapon and they can't diversify their offense. They, to me, that's not the case at all. Oh, no. I think, shot I think they can diversify more. their weapons, but um, Milwaukee guarded the dribble handoff actions with Hero and Duncan Robinson well. Right. It's just that, are they willing to finally step away from that drop scheme that they always play, you know, against Butler, against Goran Dragic? Because if they don't, then they're just going to give them a consistent source of offense the entire time. Like, they have the personnel to go switch everything. They have the personnel to go five small and, you know, basically switch screens and, and all of that but it seems like just again the coaching the stubbornness you know the kind of adherence to systems over you know adaptability um it, it's got milwaukee you know very successful in the regular season but it can be their downfall in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, but again all that being said they should take the series because they're the more talented team gotcha and last series on the docket celtics celtics let's talk about it you already brought up how jason tatum you know the uh the Pickup basketball style basketball is thriving in the bubble right now. What else um, was of note to you guys in this Celtics Raptors game? Robert Williams. I mean, that man is killing his role out there. 
blocking. And this is a great point to make that, you know, all season long I've been saying uh, that, you know, maybe the one week or the, the some of the weaknesses that the Celtics have may be lack of bench and lack of size. But if, Ro- if Robert Williams is playing like this, blocking shots, uh, catching alley-oops, just a big, huge energy guy off the bench, I mean, that might not be a problem anymore. Mm. I think that after watching Toronto last year, um, obviously win the finals, that perhaps I kind of like overcorrected for the idea of like, you know, good teams, good systems, right? Like good cohesion. You see this? Tell me they don't miss Kawhi. I mean, obviously they'd be better with Kawhi, but they, they were a great team this year. They were. And they're still a great team, you know, like in terms of like team chemistry in the playoffs right now. It's just, again, make or miss league. They're not making the shots. You see this right now? But, this but, is the closest you'll ever get to him admitting his wrong. But, but here, here's my – you saw Pascal Siakam on, on the last play? Oh, yeah. I was I mean, fouled. Pa- I was Pascal, fouled. But Pascal looks like playoff Giannis out there, and that makes sense. Whoa, he's whoa. Not, I mean, fair, but whoa. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's not, true. He's not they have natu- like the same – Again, yeah. he's not a naturally trained basketball player. These are like environments that favors pickup basketball yeah. type players, and these are just. And this actions. is where you miss the premium. I will always go back to this mid-range shots. Oh, I C- like, why players. do you think CP3 excelled, bro? They were just giving him the ball, and he was just hooping. I mean, this this is what they miss. Like when when you see Kawhi totally take over the Mavericks, and, and you know, and by the way, a lot of people don't realize Kawhi's averaging like thirty three in the playoffs so far. But that that's another that's another story. But he you know he's totally just killing the mid range, and that's what they don't have in Toronto. That's what they don't have, and that's what you need in the playoffs. I mean, I I do think they need more shot creation, right? I mean, obviously, like shot creation, being able to create your own offense usually goes hand in hand with being able to create a mid range shot. Yeah. But yeah, it's like if Kyle Lowry's gonna go back to old playoff Lowry for them, then they're cooked, right? It's just. Hopefully, right, he, 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 I guess, remembers last knew, year when he starts making everything. But. I knew it. I knew it. I, I, oh, here it goes again. But This I, is great, guys. You know, this is, this is a great studio. We love it here. But uh, uh, Kyle Lowry again. I, I just don't want I to just hear didn't trust that. that last year. Just don't, I don't want to hear you say that. It's because Kawhi's not there that he's struggling. Like, is I it mean, really I mean, Kawhi is, is I mean, it really Kawhi that? Though? Okay, here's when what I'll say. When the responsibility's not totally on you? And we saw this. We see this with the Clippers right now. Do we not feel like that there's a level of confidence that you have in having Kawhi Leonard Thank on your you. team? Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying Kawhi's a bum. No, I'm not saying you're saying, saying that, that, but like, I feel like the players that are are able to stand behind Kawhi and say, that's a guy that I know we can go to in moments that we need it big, there's a level of confidence that comes with that. And then you see dudes elevate their game. We see it on the Clippers now. Montrez does this consistently. Like Patrick Beverly's talk. Uh, Patrick no, Beverly's no, no. We see, we see trash talking confidence, dude. but do we see the level of like exemplary like play from the Clippers this year? Like, has anyone really stepped up their game because Kawhi's there? No, it's a confidence thing, and I, I think confidence is manifested in different ways, right? For the Clippers, it's manifesting in like you know just trash talk. I think for the Raptors, it very easily could have elevated. I mean, no, it could have been a fluke for Kyle Lowry, or it could have been yes. having Kawhi. Gives you a little bit I of get, extra mojo. <laughs> I gave the metaphor. It's like me walking into a bar fight with The Rock. I ain't got to worry if I got The Rock. The Rock ain't throwing hands, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock too nice for that. He's not throwing hands, He's wrestling with you. But, I mean, no, honestly, though, because obviously Toronto needs to do a lot more as a team to make up for the loss of Kawhi because Kawhi can get you a bucket any time. But they were doing that this year. 
And again, the truth is that it comes down to whether you make shots or you miss them. And if Marcus Smart is going to make like six threes in a row in the fourth quarter, you just probably won't win that game. Execution-wise, defensively, they're, they're good on every rotation. They're good on every help, right? Offensively, you know, like they're executing all of their sets. They're doing this and that. It just comes down to, are you going to make your shots or I, not? I, and do you have enough weapons to get you a bucket when things break down? I have a question. Did Because uh, I didn't. I only watched, you know, recaps and highlights. Did those five threes happen, you know, consecutively in the game flow, or was there a timeout? Because if there's no timeout, Nick Nurse. It was. It was just the fourth. That's Nick Nurse's. It fault. was like the fourth quarter. Stopping. I think there was like a stop in between, but I mean, again, those were like well contested threes. Like you know, like Marcus Smart sometimes just like goes. Cr- I mean, that, that's just, what happens sometimes in the playoffs, though. Like Fred Van Vliet, like exactly, you like to I'm say. Saying, like, I, I made the comparison on Twitter. Like it just happens that you know you can do all the coaching the game planning all the scouting all you know execute everything to perfection but sometimes it just comes down to you know the almighty power who, who are you going to late in the game if you're toronto you need a bucket it should be lowry no no because you can put Jalen brown on him and he's too long to me like the best option and this is really not that great of an option but i feel like it's fred van vliet Again, you can put Jalen Brown on him. Nah, too long. No, Toronto doesn't have options like that, which is again why like it's it like I like them a lot because I think them as a team can compensate a lot of the you know uh, deficiencies they have in one on one scoring. But um, I think again, like I probably overestimated this, and at the same time, like underestimated why Boston is so good. That even though to me, like it doesn't really seem like their pieces work that well together, they're just like such good individual talents that you just slap a bunch of talented players on the floor that are willing to be engaged, and you're probably going to be a good team. And, I mean, I think that's some, that, that's a part where I just overlooked it, that Boston has enough singular talent on the floor, on the court at one time, with Brown and Tatum Kemba. and Kemba, that it's just hard to overcome. That mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what happens, you throw it to one of them and tell them, like, get me a bucket. And it doesn't look the prettiest, but it works. For, for me, I mean, we always knew that Toronto was a very, very good regular season team. They were a really good regular season team when Dwayne Casey was there. They were a really good regular without season Kawhi. team without Kawhi and DeRozan was there. They were a really good regular season team when Kawhi was there and then he was just sitting out. They were a really good regular season team this year. They've always been a really good like, regular season watch, team. If you watch them this year, you, like, you probably, like, it was different. It was definitely because they, they don't have the talent to just be like, oh, DeRozan Lowry, right? Like, get me something. Well, yeah, this I'm just like, saying, like, they're, they're, I'm never not confident in their ability to garner a high seed. But we all understand that playoff basketball, there's a hole for that Toronto team right now, and it's a Kawhi Leonard shaped hole. It has cornrows in it. I can yep. see it very vividly. And that's the reality, man. It, it seems like, and that's why I was so hesitant to pick Toronto. And I, I feel like they were a good pick. That's a solid pick to make to come out of the East, but they just don't have that dude and i'm not going to quantify what that dude is because i think we all know what that dude entails they don't have it i mean again but these are these have been two close games between toronto and boston that and that's how the series should be this is like a super tight evenly matched series that it's hard for me to say that you know if if, if you know the coin flips one way or the other that you know we might be looking at a one-one series Right? It's like, we still have, what, it's only two games and still five more games to go. I mean, Toronto did this last year. You just never know when things might I mean, suddenly the, flip the on The thing is, like, we can we can do the semantics of, you know, things went one way, things went the other way. Um, I don't like to do that unless it's something we're talking about, like an injury. 
because the thing we can only take things as how they happen. Well, it's like I'm looking at at this. Like, is it the execution, right? Is it like some sort of like game plan that's totally shutting something down? Like to that I point, I, I think Boston is shutting Siakam down really well. They have him scouted and everything, but you know, outside of that, it just comes down to again, right? Outside it, of shutting down their best player. No, like outside of like the execution, the game planning, all of that. I mean, it's like yeah. again, it comes down to are you making shots and improvisational. I scoring? mean, that's what I'm saying though. Like when I say they don't have that dude, that dude's not a guy you can easily shut down. And when you say outside of game planning and whatnot, they game plan to take out their best player. When you do that, that's that's like the, that's the end all be all. If I can take your best player out of the game, or you know, you can't take Pascal out of a game, but you can essentially neutralize. Yeah, they him. really are taking him out of the game. So it's like at that point. You, you've won the game because you don't have, I'll just call it TD. You don't have that dude. You don't have TD on your team, man. If you don't have TD, I'm not sure how far you can really go. Because the, they did game plan extremely well for, for Pascal. They're the Bucks. Like, they'll, they'll never, they'll never, you know, have, you know, real success. Didn't you think Toronto did. to come out of the East, though? Y'all both did. I picked the Celtics. No, you picked Toronto. No, you picked Toronto. Oh, I picked the Celtics before Gordon Hayward got hurt. Yeah. Dang. After he got hurt, I picked I picked the Raptors. I don't think Toronto's dead though. Again, it's it's very possible that you know they they, they pull the same thing they did in the conference finals last year and just roll out four in a row. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't think that. I don't think they're dead in the water yet. I mean, they're too good of a team and they're, they're too well coached for that. But again, TD man, that that TD is something different. But. Any last words before we head up out of here? We're coming up on, what, 36 minutes? Yeah, going over a little bit. So, any final thoughts before we shut down this episode? Julio. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. You tooting your own horn, Julio. Jimmy over Giannis. You have Miami taking game two? Uh, no. Yeah, Giannis dropping. Giannis, okay, I'll make a prediction right now. Giannis dropping 30-plus points, 15-plus rebounds. At least uh, okay, five I'll, I'll say if he's dropping thirty points, most most of those is because he's gonna get foul calls, and he's gonna most of those points are gonna come from the free throw line. Like yeah. he, all he does is drive to the left, spin to the right, and dunk. That's literally all he does. And he's damn good at it. So with that said, <laughs> we will end this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you go check out the social media at SQR1Hoops. That's on Instagram and Twitter at SQR1Hoops for a specific Hoop and Holler experience. Also, go follow Square One, SQR1. That's a general idea. But like I said, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.